and welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on SteamWorld Dig, and my guest is... <laughs> oh, man, I've put myself into a corner, I have to say it. Uh, Brian Sergeson. Am I close? Hi, Chase. Uh, yeah, this is Brian Sergeson from okay. uh, Image and Form. God, even I have, <laughs> even I have a problem pronouncing that name. Oh man, I I hate kind of being the stupid American stereotype, but uh, but sometimes you just gotta accept it. Uh, uh, it's it's a trick. I mean, people in Sweden even have a hard time with that name. Both my parents are Icelandic, and that's why the name is so screwed up. Okay. Well, I feel a little better about it then. Uh, but yes, you are the the CEO of Image and Form. And uh, you guys put out SteamWorld Dig, which uh, went on to the Nintendo eShop in August, I want to say. Yeah, that's and, right. And uh, then uh, Steam, Steam kind of recently, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. We put SteamWorld Dig out on the 3DS in early August. And then just about four months later, we, uh, uh, we also put it on Steam. Yeah, that's correct. Excellent. Uh, well, we'll get to SteamWorld Dig in a second, but first I kind of want to talk a little bit about, about yourself and, uh, and Image and Form, and, uh, and first kind of start out with just, you know, what were the games that you were playing as a kid, uh, what kind of got you into games, uh, especially handheld games, and then uh, and kind of how that brought you into, uh, into working at a, at a game company? Well, that's, that's great. Great question. Um, so uh, it started out. Very early, when I was, I mean, when I was uh, nine, ten, or something like that, a neighbor got Pong for his uh, TV set, and I was just totally immersed in in that. I was uh, my my mom had a really hard time getting me home for dinner and so on, and I thought it was just fabulous. And then I was, when I was thirteen and started high school, uh, I was um, really lucky that the school had just bought. A very, very, very simple computer, uh, a Swedish one actually, called the ABC80. And you couldn't do very much with it, but you, we could actually make our own games, very, very simple games. And uh, uh, the teacher there, he was kind enough sort of to teach me the basics of BASIC, which was the language we used for it. And uh, so I was, I made really, really, really simple games for that, but it was so gratifying that I sort of instantly knew that uh, game development is that will have to be my thing. Uh, for the longest time, I I played everything that I could sort of lay my hands on. Uh, and the first game that I really remember standing out was it wasn't a handheld game, but. Uh, a game for the Macintosh called Pathways into Darkness by Bungie. It was one of their first efforts, and it was the first real 3D game out there. And that's, this must be very early 90s, I think. And it was, it was amazing just to play that. And, uh, and then after that, I was really hooked on the Myst series that also came out for the Macintosh uh, by Cyan, I think. A couple of brothers who were just who made this fantastic game called Mist, and uh, I lived in Japan during the early '90s. So handheld games, sort of, with the Game Boy and everything, it sort of just uh, exploded. 
but I was I was more of a console game even then. I was I would uh, I, you'd work in Japan. You'd work like twenty three hours a day, and the the final hour there I would spend uh, playing on the Famicom. Oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah, so those are the early my early uh, game experiences uh, and. Uh, Handhelds. When the Nintendo DS came, I just felt that it was such a fantastic little unit. So it wasn't really hard for us to to go for the 3DS with Steamwheel Dig. It was, uh, yeah, it was. It's something that we really wanted to do. Sure. Um, well, Image and Form, uh, I, from reading, is is a pretty small unit, about 12, 13 people. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's correct. There's 12 of us on the payroll and uh, two brilliant interns as well, so there's 14 of us today. Okay. So you guys, uh, I mean, you're, you're a game company now, but you started in 1997, and you were kind of just a, a multimedia company. So how did, how did you form like that, and then kind of how have you transitioned to, uh, to what you are today? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what we call in Sweden the... Uh, it, it's all just slipping around on banana peels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that happened in Japan, uh, I just went there to to sort of work and uh, and travel around with a backpack. But uh, what happened was I got into a company that transformed itself overnight from being a translation company into a multimedia company because in 1991 Apple released System Seven with with amazing capabilities. Uh, it was the first computer that you could hook. A CD-ROM drive too, so that meant that suddenly you could get games that were quite a bit bigger in scope, and also it was the first system that let you um, play video on the on the computer screen, which meant that this whole multimedia thing just boomed in Japan, and uh, the CEO just came in the the next day after we had seen a demo of it. He said that, "Listen, guys." Until yesterday, we were a translation agency. Now we're a multimedia company. Brian, I hear that you've been programming a bit, so you're the lead programmer now. Here's the manual. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and so I was doing a lot of multimedia presentations and, and strange projects in Japan, and then later in San Francisco for two years. And then when in 97, I moved back to Sweden and sort of just wanted to get started working with multimedia, but um, uh, it just felt that there was so much business to be had that instead of taking a job somewhere, I just uh, started up Image and Form uh, as, an, as a multimedia company. But then, obviously, uh, just a year or so later, the web exploded, and so we became a web uh, company. And then after that, we sort of banana peeled into game development in 2002 when we started making kids games for PC and Mac. Right, and those were more uh, kind of edutainment, educational kind of games. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't... It felt like every every month felt like, okay, next month we're going to start making our own or realizing our own game ideas. But it was, it was just so... Uh, so lucrative being in in edutainment that we kept doing that until 2009, roughly. And uh, then we sort of jumped over to doing mobile games because the famous banana peel was there again. (laughs) Uh, 
the app store opened up in 2008 and it was just just felt like it was such a great great platform to to experiment with tons of different game ideas and it it was really new and it i mean it, it, if you look back now it's only five years ago but it was the controls and everything were so groundbreaking it was so it was so very different from console games that uh, um, a lot of new and fresh ideas could be realized yeah absolutely um so it, i mean it's kind of interesting you guys made a game uh a game called anthill uh that was featured on the app store but but then you went from ios to to uh with the steam world games uh, at least the first one steam world tower defense that was a dsiware game so kind of how how did you transition from going from from mobile games, iPhone games into into something on the DS? That's a that's a very good question and <clears throat> a very important one too. Um, I think that uh, on iOS everything happened very quickly. Um, uh, there was a very low entrance for uh, for developers to to get started there, and um, you could use pretty simple tools to make pretty simple things and and uh, and <clears throat> immediately get them out to the public the the problem or the bad thing that happened on iOS very quickly is that prices went down extremely fast and uh, very very early uh, a game could cost one or two dollars and uh, it's sort of problematic because that means that you will have to sell a huge amount of copies in, in in order to just break even and since there are so many games coming out and and that was already happening in 2010 when we made steam wheel tower defense for the dsi and it, it, there were so many games coming out every day that it was very hard to <clears throat> sort of be recognized unless you were uh, exactly what happened with Antel, the, unless you got featured by Apple. And uh, it, it just it keeps on snowballing. It, it feels like there are so many games and apps coming out every day that it's, it's very, very hard to, to stay um, highlighted for more than a few days, unless it's a truly, truly exceptional game. So we, while we were doing stuff on, the, on, the, uh, on iOS, we, we wanted to see if it was possible to, to do some, something for the Nintendo DSi. And the reason for it is that we didn't want to um, make a cartridge game because it just felt like there was, there was so much involved that we didn't really know about uh, in terms of publishing and distribution. And so when the DSi came, it was an it was an excellent opportunity for for a developer to sort of go straight to consumer. Now, the DSiWare store where we where we released uh, Steamwell Tower Defense, it was such a such a terrible shop. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard to find what you were looking for. And so when the uh, eShop came around with the 3DS. It was such a breath of fresh air, and we just really immediately wanted to to get into development for the 3DS. But we were sitting on the fence for a for a little while there because we 
didn't really know if the 3DS was going to take off or not. And so when we started making Steam Will Dig, it, it felt like um, it was it was going to happen. It was going to be a hit. Sure. Uh, well, I, I definitely have more questions for you on uh, on talking about like, digital storefronts and things like that. But I think this is a good time to transition more into the actual games part of it. Um, before talking about SteamWorld Dig specifically, I'd like to talk a little bit about SteamWorld Tower Defense. Now, I actually haven't played SteamWorld Tower Defense, but um, but it's interesting to see how you went from a tower defense game into this into a platforming game in the same universe. So uh, was that kind of the the original thought behind SteamWorld when when you were first thinking about it, that, you know, maybe this can be a a world for us to use uh, for multiple different genres and multiple different games? Was that that something at the beginning, or was it just, let's, hey, put out a tower defense game, and then somebody had the idea of, hey, why don't we go back to this universe and and do something else? Well, that's a great question, and it... I'd love to to answer that. Yeah, we had it all figured out from the start. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it was it was actually like this. Uh, I hired a guy called Ulle Håkansson, who is uh, today our lead designer and lead programmer. And he was he. The reason I hired him was that he actually had some uh, uh, DS DS programming um, experience, because we we were actually asked for another. There was a publisher who was asking us if we could sort of take on DS development. Uh, and so I hired him, and then the day after he started, we got a, I got an email from that publisher saying, thank you very much, we found another <laughs> developer <laughs> instead. Oh, and so I was sitting with this brilliant guy, and uh, I was, for a fraction of a minute, I was, I was thinking... God, this is this is really sad. Do I have to fire this guy now? And then uh, instead, I thought, no, screw it. It's this is probably the best guy I'll ever hire, and uh, we just have to go all in and and, and and go for it ourselves. This is just at the very end of this uh, entertainment uh, games that we were making. So that was actually the the start of our own development. And one of the things uh, I wanted to do was actually get a game out for the Nintendo DSi because suddenly we we had the capability or we had the the knowledge how to do it, but we didn't really know what kind of game to make. So uh, me and Ole, we were discussing it and we said, okay, let's make a tower defense game. And then a few... A couple of months into that, we 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 had um, we had robots chasing humans, uh, meaning evil, greedy robots were chasing the, the poor <laughs> humans. But mm-hmm. then we sort of then we thought it would be interesting to just turn it around so that the um, the humans would be the greedy ones and the and the uh, the robots would be the hardworking stand-up guys. Just sort of as a quirky role reversal on the whole thing. Sure. And then uh, <clears throat> after we had put out uh, Steel World Tower Defense, which amazingly paid for itself in, in in quite a short time, and because we really had no expectations, we didn't know what to expect from the DSiWare store. How what sort of 
how many units we would sell and so on. So we were actually pleasantly surprised that a horrible storefront like that could could generate that sort of sales. And but most of all, we were sort of intrigued by the by this idea that the humans were the bad guys and the, and the robots were the good guys. And so we would sit down during lunch breaks after uh, after we'd released that and sort of tried tried to sort of establish how could this universe have come about um, where you have how how has humanity slipped into such a low life status and and who are these robots the very simple robots how how come they are how can they rule this thing and so we just slowly but surely we we established the uh, the background story for steamworld and then and then we realized that this isn't there's nothing that restricts us to uh, to making just tower defense games like this we can use this universe to do all kinds of games and that's that is probably what sets it apart a little bit i think we can use um, sort of the SteamWorld umbrella to make tons of different types of games and also tons of games. Sure. Um, well, I mean, you've, you've definitely found... Uh, I, I know that SteamWorld Tower Defense, you say, paid for itself, uh, but I, I assume that SteamWorld Dig is, is even more successful. Um, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of get into what you may or may not be working on uh, later. But uh, I, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's uh, uh, tempting to just kind of go back to the well and say that a SteamWorld Dig Two uh, would just kind of go would would feed right back into to what people are wanting and and maybe what would be easy to make. Uh, it, yeah, it's uh, I think that would be that was actually what we had in mind at at the very. Um, when we had just finished making SteamWorld Dig, we we said to ourselves that if this is a if this works, if if people are going to pick this up, and we didn't really it, we had, we had no idea that it would be so popular or, or so so um, um what's the word <laughs> so I mean, wanted well so, well received so, yeah sure yeah so so appreciated it's a uh, it, that was. That was actually a big surprise to us. But when we when we had just finished making Steamwell Dig, we we were we immediately started working on Steamwell Dig two, at least on the concept level, or, or the idea level. And then when it, when Steamwell Dig hits, we uh, we said to ourselves that okay, that's that's very good. We we'll, we have Steamwell Dig two. Uh, we we realize realize how that's going to work. But maybe we should. Um, maybe that's too obvious. I mean, if we do that, it it'll be like putting out your your first album. It's it's the I think it's a good analogy. You put out a a great debut album that people just love, and then they can't wait for more, and then you rush it, and you hurry through making the next record because you just you feel that you have to ride the wave. And you put out an album that is very similar to the first one because that's what you think people will want. But I think um, 
I was, we were a little bit hesitant. I mean, it was such an obvious path to take, but at the same time, we were a little bit scared of this debut album syndrome, so that people afterwards are just going to say that, yeah, that's more of the same, okay? We've seen it before. It's it's a pity that these guys couldn't reinvent themselves. So we instead we started working on the prequel to Steam Will Dig. Uh, and that turned out to be a fantastic little game. I've, I've played a vertical slice of that, and it's just... It's very, very, very interesting. And, uh, and then uh, Valve got in touch and, and, and told us that we could put Steam Will Dig onto Steam. So then we sort of had to break off that development as well to sort of concentrate on getting the Steam version done. Mm-hmm. And when that was done, by the time that was done, there had been so many lunch breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so we had sort of had so much time to talk about this that... And and uh, and again, Ola, the lead designer, had he was being very sober about this, and he said, "It's both Steam Will Dig Two. Steam Will Dig Two is going to be great, and this prequel game is going to be great as well. But it's not going to be grand. Those guys, those games are going. To be, one of them is going to be, yeah, it's a bit more of the same. It's bigger in every direction, and it it's it's great, but it's it's." The sort of the same gameplay. And the prequel is a different type of gameplay, but it's it's a simpler game than Steam Will Dig. We we gotta make something grander this time. And if we don't make something grander this time, then maybe we just lose the momentum. If we make something simpler, then we won't. People won't have patience with us for for our grand scheme that will come later. So let's just do the grand thing right now. And then he. He and the other guys, as usual, they sort of get in cahoots with each other and and think everything up, and then they present it to me, and uh, and I get one of my two cents worth in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it's a, it's a, such a grand idea, the, the new game. It's uh, it's going to be very different. It's still in the Steam World universe, and the characters will be very recognizable, but the gameplay will be very different. Okay. Well, I, I did read uh, the interview you did with Indie Game Magazine, and uh, I know that you kind of have to kind of dance around um, <laughs> what you're what you're doing, and that's understandable. Uh, I have some some speculation ideas, but we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I want to hear a lot more about SteamWorld Dig itself, um, sure. so we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But uh, can you talk about some of the influences for SteamWorld Dig? Uh, one of the things I mentioned to a friend. Uh, after I had played it, was that uh, I definitely got a, a Mega Man X uh, vibe out of it from the way that you're, uh, especially the way that you get upgrades and, and then I guess just the wall jumps, but uh, there, there's definitely also some, maybe some Mr. Driller in there just with the idea of the mining, uh, some some kind of Metroid and Castlevania elements in the way that you gain new powers. Uh, were, were these games that... Uh, that played a played a role in SteamWorld Dig's development, or uh, or were there other games that that you thought of too? That uh, like, hey, this is a really cool mechanic. Let's let's try using that. I, I know Mother Load's also another very similar game uh, in that sense. That's very good. I think you you almost yeah you, yeah you almost answered the question there. <laughs> I think uh, well, it, <clears throat> what we wanted to do is. Mm, we wanted to make a game that hasn't been made before, 
Um, but at the same time, we really wanted to to uh, sort of flirt with very classic games like Mega Man X, for example, and then uh, Super Metroid, and uh, also Dig Dug, the old one of the oldest games around. Definitely. Which which had this fabulous little mechanic where you could where you would kill your opponents by sort of waiting under a a, a cinder block, and then when they come running, you sort of just dash under it, and then you squash them with this <clears throat> with a falling rock. And um, and then and then there are Steamworld Diggers being compared with a few games that it isn't very similar to at all. For example. Um, uh, Spelunky and Terraria, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's basically it's because we use the sort of we have the same graphic foundation that um, uh, all those games are two D games that you see from the side, and uh, so it will be compared to those games inevitably, um, but they're nothing like they're they're not very alike really gameplay wise. Um, Spelunky is a roguelike, where, whereas ours game is a Metroidvania-type game. And Terraria is an open-world uh, game that is much more similar to Minecraft, I think. It's, um, part, part of that is our fault, actually, because we were sloppy when we wrote the, uh, uh, the uh, description text for Steam. We were saying that this game is... A mix of blah 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 and Terraria, and and that was just bad. We 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 just wanted people to understand how the game looked, basically, not how it played. But yeah, it's it's very it's excellent if you can sort of think up uh, a proper way of proper description for your own game instead of having to reference other games the whole time. Right. And uh, and it's not that easy. SteamWorld Dig is a mining platform adventure it doesn't say very much mm-hmm. and the great things in the game sort of have to be you have to sort of reference other games to to be to quickly understand how the game works and what makes it tick i think one of the things that people haven't said about steamwell dig enough is that it's a it's a very tight game. It's it has absolutely no filler or padding at all. We we've, we've made the game uh, just as long as it should be. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I burned through it in an entire Sunday afternoon just because I was I was really excited to play it. Um, and and I know that's for at least your next game. That's something you kind of want to address on on having some more replay value and some more. Uh, kind of continuing gameplay, but that was one yeah. of the things that I found uh, really interesting. And if we're talking uh, in terms of Spelunky or Terraria or something like that, um, the game isn't procedurally generated like those games are. It's a very crafted, uh, linear uh, world, and and I think that that plays into the game's favor. Uh, was that was. Was even was that always something that you were thinking about, or, or did you see a game like Terraria or Spelunky or, or even Minecraft to an extent, and and think maybe we should jump in on this kind of procedurally generated idea too, or was the idea always 
you know, let's make let's make a really tight, well crafted game. I think it was it was a little bit of both. Uh, it's SteamWorld is procedurally generated in one way, um, that the every um, every session will be different because the placement of stuff is different. It's it's randomly generated every time, but. Uh, Obviously, there are parts of the game that aren't uh, random. For example, the caves that you go into, they are, they're puzzles, and so they had to be sort of handcrafted. But, um, I mean, we've been, we've been fooling around, uh, <laughs> all of us, a little bit with Minecraft and so on. So it's, it's, it's intriguing, and it's really, really interesting to have... Um, to discover things, to to dig down and not know what you're going to find or where you're going to find it. So uh, um, <clears throat> we didn't want to make a sandbox game in, in the sense that you could sort of just go on and do exactly whatever you wanted to do. But we wanted to make a game where, where the player is in control, where the player can decide, where the player can make the map for the game and where you can decide for yourself if you're going to speedrun or if you're going to explore the game. So, yeah, I think it's a mix. We wanted to have both elements, both sort of a linear driven game, but at the same time, uh, let the, um, let the player decide the pace of the game. Sure. Uh, well, I was, uh, again, I was discussing with a friend, uh, about the game after we had both finished it. And, uh, he, had, he talked about how much he enjoyed the lack of guns and, and how it wasn't, it wasn't a game about shooting, which was kind of refreshing to him. And, uh, I thought back on my playthrough and I even avoided, I kind of took it another step forward in that I didn't, uh, I avoided combat pretty much altogether if I could. Um, and, and I think it's really cool that there's, that there's kind of this game. I mean, the, the combat is somewhat simplistic where you're either using your pick or, or you do get a, a power up later in the game. That's a, that's a fist that, uh, that helps you with, a with some combat, but, um, it's, it's not a combat heavy game. It's a, it's a game that's a lot more centered around exploration. And was that a, was that a conscious choice that you, you didn't want to have something focused on combat? Yeah, well, <clears throat> it's yes and no, actually. It was, uh, um, initially, we had sort of, we had planned <clears throat> more levels in the game and more bosses in the game. Um, but it just, it took a while to, at, at the end, we sort of had to, we had to stop because we were running out of cash. And, uh, uh I think if I think if we had managed to put in, let's say, an end boss to each world or each stage in the game, uh, that would have sort of made it much more of a combat game because then you you couldn't avoid those. But that's sort of also the uh, um, that's something that we liked to have in the game that you can choose if you want to engage in combat with these. Uh, with the enemies that that are in the game, or if you want to go around them, in some places you can't 
you can't avoid them, but much much of the time you sort of decide for yourself. Am I going to take this guy on, or if is it is it going to be good for me to to uh, to try to beat this guy? As whenever you beat an enemy, you get a, some sort of resource from him, and so it can be in some in some cases when you dig yourself into a hole or when you can't get up back up to the surface and your light is dwindling, you you sort of have to. Uh, keep on going down and then your only way to get some light or water or whatever you need is is to actually take on a, a, a foe and so we like that that it's it's not like a, a regular platformer where you have to you have to jump uh, on the head of the, of the next guy that is coming or, or sort of skip him you can sort of decide for yourself who you're going to take on and who you're going to just try to bypass. Definitely. Uh, you were actually talking about the boss battle, and that's something that leads right into my next question. I, I really enjoyed the boss battle at the end. In, in fact, uh, it was one of my favorite boss battles, or favorite enemies that I had fought in in any game in 2013. It just uh, it felt so different from the main game since you had this kind of main enemy to fight, but at the same time, it wasn't... It wasn't just. Uh, it wasn't completely different. It was. It was using the the skills that you had learned in the game. It was using the the uh, pieces of equipment you'd gained, instead of um, instead of just kind of taking you out and putting you you into a, a combat scenario that that kind of wouldn't make sense. And I don't know. This question kind of just seems like I'm congratulating you a lot. But um, <laughs> what was the <laughs> Do you, do you not mind if I congratulate you a little bit more? Um, but kind of what was the thinking behind the boss battle? It's, I think you actually, uh, yeah, and uh, again, you, you you make a great job of answering for me. It was uh, because that's exactly what we had thought. We, we wanted the last, the final boss to be sort of the exam of the game, and meaning that everything that you've learned so far you can you can use in this boss battle. And uh, if if uh, there were some upgrades that you missed along the way, it's going to be a lot harder to beat this guy. And uh, so the boss itself, it, it sort of blends blends in there. But if I, it's sort of with mixed feelings that I was saying before that we wanted to have more bosses in there and so on. If we had had that, it would have become more of a okay, complete the level, beat the boss, go to the next level. We uh, we wanted to have a game that you got totally immersed into, and and you didn't get any any breaks, um, meaning there wouldn't be any pauses in the game. If, if we had had bosses at, interspersed, then it would have felt like that. You would have played this area, beaten that boss. It, it would be so final. Uh, you wouldn't have any reason to go to go back to pick up stuff and so on. <clears throat> but uh, the way it is now, it's it's one very immersive game session, and it ends with with uh, a pretty badass boss, I would say. Mm-hmm. Some people have a, a very uh, they have a hard time with it with this boss, and and some people think it's easy. I think. I, personally, I think it's pretty hard, but 
I'm probably not that great of a player. <laughs> I, I understand exactly what you mean. But I, I really enjoyed it. And, I, it's again, it's kind of unfair to compare uh, a game like SteamWorld Dig to a game like uh, something like Motherload or, or the new Super Motherload that came out since... I mean, yes, they do kind of look the similar, and they have similar kind of styles. In that, yes, you're you're digging, but they are different games. But it is it's very clear because uh, the, the final boss battle in that game uh, is is not very fun in Super Mother Load, and you, uh, it it kind of takes a a kind of Metroid idea of oh everything's blowing up, you need to go back the way you came, and you need to do it really fast because now you're under the gun. Uh, uh. And uh, and Steamworld Dig does does not do that, which is is really great. <laughs> uh, so I okay, guess I, well, I commend you on that. Glad <laughs> glad to hear that we compare favorably. But what I, I was going to say actually about Motherlo- Motherload as as well uh, that when we had thought up the how the game would play, we sort of went through um, tried to just Google our way to find games that were similar or it's like when you make a song, then you sort of want to make sure that nobody else has made a tune that sounds exactly like the one that you're trying to put out. Right. So you won't get sued. But so we, we, we spent a week or so after having finalized the the game design document for steam will dig, just looking around, trying to find games that were similar. And some of the games that, that we had in mind were were games like Spelunky that would be graphically similar. But we hadn't seen Motherload um, until that week, and we were a little bit worried, actually, that, oh, this is this is actually quite similar. Okay, we'll, we'll just have to try to make a very much better game so that um, people don't think that we've just tried to copy this whole experience. Sure. Because it really wasn't like that. I think uh, Motherload. I haven't played Super Motherload, and I've I've only just looked at at Motherload, um, the old Flash game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it's that game too captures some of this the loveliness of of uh, of mining, of digging and finding stuff. It's it's a brilliant uh, feeling, and I I, I think. Maybe people don't realize that, but I think that's what that is what makes um, Minecraft so so huge. It's that, that you really don't know what you what sort of resources you will find, so you can build all these monster things. I mean, from the beginning, it was much more of an ex- explore only game, and then and then people started building beautiful stuff. Right. So, it, it extends it extends kind of past gaming and, and into something that's more just kind of yeah. human curiosity of what what's under the ground that I'm that I'm on. Yeah. And what what can exactly. I find? It, it can't be. Uh, uh, it shouldn't be underestimated because it's such a it's such a lovely drive to just go down and and to see what's what's a f- a, f- a few meters <laughs> further down. Can I? Can I find what I'm looking for? It's, it becomes sort of like a... It's like sitting at a gambling table or, or like being dealt cards that you're looking at. Uh, you can, Only you can see those cards, and you don't know what those cards are before you look at them. I think it's, it's, such, a, it's such a mystery. It's so, it's so intriguing. Definitely. 
Um, well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, kind of these these platforms here. So you've you've made games for PC, you've made games for iOS, uh, and then moved into DSiWare and now the eShop for the 3DS. Uh, have do you have any thoughts on on other platforms? Uh, maybe something like uh, Xbox Live. Uh, I, I know with Xbox Live Arcade in the last generation, there was this real big split between the arcade and, and indies, and uh, and that made it, uh, there was a, just a super gap on, on which one you fell into, and indies kind of got uh, pushed to the wayside. And, and I guess Xbox One now, they're trying to, to fix that a little bit more. Uh, but something like that, or then uh, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Network, or even uh, what the Vita Vita's doing right now with PlayStation Mobile, kind of seems a lot like uh, an eShop idea where uh, there aren't a whole lot of games there, but the games that it's a you could be a big fish in a small pond, kind of the way you are with eShop. Is that something you guys have considered or thought about at all? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's lovely. Yeah, just I'm not going to answer that really quickly, or, or I'm not going to be very specific on that because we have a we have an announcement to make, and okay. uh, we um, um, I think there's there is just if I can answer it a little bit differently, then I would say that like you like you said there there. With the Xbox One, I think there's going to be a huge change because it was Microsoft has realized, as have the others as well, that you can't or you shouldn't treat indie developers any different than than well, what, what would the opposite be? Respectable yeah, right. developers, where, where, because it will dry up or. It, those indie developers will not, um, they won't be led by the elbow their whole lives. It's, it'll always, they'll always remember that they were stuck in a corner somewhere. If it's a great game, it doesn't deserve to be stuck in a corner. It should be just put up front and center because it, it's, it's the same great experience that those good indie games are, are delivering as, as the big ones, so uh, I'm very glad to see that the live arcade and the um, indie games uh, side on, on Xbox that is going to to be fixed on the on the Xbox One, okay. um, or at least get better. And then with PlayStation, I think PlayStation Four and the Vita they are just very exciting platforms. It, I was just for fun. I was looking back. In, in, in less than a year ago, I was reading on IGN, and, and IGN, they know what they're talking about. And this shows how little every or any, anyone knew what was going to happen just less than a year ago. It, it, was, it was one of those doomsday uh, articles about the Vita, which we've read so many of, <clears throat> saying that, okay, the Vita is, is, uh, is doomed, it's not selling, and I think uh, Sony should just sort of come out and say it was it was a huge miss. We'll, we'll try to think up something new. I think what they're they're showing now that um, with the PS4 uh, and the Vita sort of interacting with each other, 
or the possibilities you have there, it's, it, it's going to be a very viable platform. For the longest time, it was, the Vita was uh, frowned upon because everyone thought that it was competing with mobile phones. That, uh, why should I have to carry around another um, piece of heavy equipment in my pockets? I already have my phone. But the Vita and the 3DS, they're, I think they've, they've just proven themselves in the last 12 months. It's people want to play on, on really, really good handheld hardware. Yeah, definitely. I think that the the Vita can be a tough initial investment because it is it is kind of a costly system, uh, mm. but it is a really nice piece of hardware. And once you have one, uh, you you can find that there's a lot of value there. Uh, even even if what we seem to be getting a lot is just ports of of other great games, uh, especially indie games like you getting uh, something like Hotline Miami on it or for. Uh, next year when Rogue Legacy comes out and is going to come for Vita as well. Uh, mm. That there's some value there, but then we're also getting great games like uh, like Tearaway from Media Molecule that, that really showed off what the Vita can do. I was just going to mention Tearaway if you, if you hadn't. <laughs> because yeah. I think it's... Um, that is just... Uh, Media Mo- Molecule, they, they seem unable to make bad games it's, or, or less than stellar games. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just fantastic. So I'm very happy that they made uh, Tearaway for the, for the Vita. There's another uh, Swedish game. Um, I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to use this as to plug other games. Oh, please do. Like yeah. that. But, but there's a brilliant game that is actually made here in Gothenburg as well. From a, from a company called Zoink, and the game is called Stick It to the Man. Oh, yeah, uh, that just came out. That's a cross-buy for, uh, for Vita <coughs> and PS3. Yeah, for Vita and PS3. You should check that out. It's a, it's a lovely game. It's a lovely, lovely game. Okay. So I think it's like everybody was sort of... Everybody was sort of dooming <laughs> the, the 3DS when it came out... It, and looking at sales figures, and yeah, the DS was this much bigger at this point, etc. And then all of these great games came out for the 3DS, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, of course you need to have a 3DS. And uh, I think, or I hope, the same thing is happening to the Vita, because um, I think it was the Sony executive that said about the Wii U that we hope that the Wii U is a success, because... uh, this industry doesn't need failures. We need successes. Right. So um, that's a, that's a very very uh, mature way of looking at it. If if someone else fails, it doesn't really mean that you've won. Uh, if the industry succeeds, then everybody wins. So if I'm very happy to see that the that the the 3ds really took off and that the Vita looks like it's going to take off just as well. Yeah, it definitely has potential. It, it just feels like it needs a, a few more games that, that are really star-studded for to, to get people to buy them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going back to, to what you were mentioning with, uh, with these companies that are embracing indie games now, uh, Nintendo historically is not really known as a, as a company that embraces uh, third parties in general. Uh, how was but uh, but they are getting better, uh, especially with indies. Uh, but how was your experience with Nintendo? I was uh, 
I was talking to Ed Valiente of Nintendo of Europe and one of the guys who, who really made Steam Will Dig happen. And he, I was I was just saying that to him that I, I thought it was fantastic the way that they're embracing indie companies. And he said, well, we're the, we're the, we're the world's largest indie company ourselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that strange. And he was sort of apologetic that it hasn't worked as seamlessly as... In the past, but I think there are a f quite a few things that are um, sort of working together here. Um, I believe that Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft were horrified the day they realized what a contender the iPhone was. Um, I think I think in the beginning they were sort of trying to brush it under under the carpet as not being a threat to them, but then it really became a huge threat. And then now that the App Store has its... App Store and Google Play has their own problems, uh, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft are being very, very quick to to woo the, the uh, indie developers that were born uh, for the App Store to get them over to their platforms. And there is nothing... They're, they're being excellent about this. All three companies, all the contacts I've been having with them is they're being very, very forthcoming and very humble and, and very, very friendly. And it's, it's, not, it's not the feeling that you got a few years ago where, where you were just, you, know, you were a tiny, tiny developer against a huge platform. And it's, it's changing um, it's changed so dramatically, I think, and it's so, it's so positive. And uh, the way that Nintendo has treated us is um, should just stand as an example for every every platform that wants to uh, get an indie developer on board. From really from the first day that we we uh, told told them that we wanted the dev kits and we wanted. Um, to make this game for the 3DS, they showed such an interest in, in what we did. And it wasn't because the game was great, because it really wasn't uh, in the beginning. The game became very good after more than halfway through development. And um, But Nintendo, were they were just as interested from day one as they were towards the end. And they just We felt that they were giving us a lot of... Uh, a, a lot of confidence. So, um, yeah, it's that's the way it should be done. I think. Yeah, that, I mean, that seems to be the prevailing opinion when I when I talk to the developers that I've talked to, and then uh, just reading interviews and other things that Nintendo has been really great with with indie developers. But I guess maybe they still just have this stigma that that's that people don't think that when they think Nintendo, and maybe that's why it's still kind of ailing because I think Nintendo does some, some really great things and has some really good outreach. It's just when you kind of overall think, you know, where, where would you go for the best indie games that, that Nintendo just isn't one of the things you immediately think of. That's right. I think, um, <clears throat> and it's also Nintendo are very much in a, <clears throat> in a place of their own in that they, they're both a first-party developer and a platform owner, so you feel 
can you really trust Nintendo? I mean, you make <laughs> you make a game for their platform, and uh, how much love are they going to put into your title, or how much is it going to be pushed when they can actually push their own titles uh, and very much more, or with such ease? And uh, I feel for Steamwell Dig, it's been um, we've been getting such a great response. It's almost like I don't dare to talk about this because then Nintendo would realize <laughs> what kind of mistake they've been making and pushing our game so hard. Today. But uh, yeah, they've, they've been, it's been a lot of respect and whenever we've sort of asked for favors, we, we feel that we've been getting them. Meaning that they haven't been, we don't feel that we've been uh, compromised by this, that they're both the first-party developer and the platform owner. Okay. Uh, well, now I'm I'm going to start asking you questions about the the things you're working on now, and I, right. I understand that uh, I'm going to kind of tread carefully, and that you have to tread carefully, and there are just going to be some things you you can't answer or don't want to answer right now, and that's totally fine. Um, okay. Cool. But uh, we you you are working on a game right now. It is not SteamWorld Dig Two. Um, but it's it's an idea that is uh, as as you've said kind of much grander, and uh, one of the things uh, from the indie game magazine article uh, was that you were talking about more uh, more community involvement and how Steamworld Dig is a game that can be played in an afternoon, uh, but that you would like to make a game that uh, requires more of a conversation while it's being played. And I wonder how much, how much you can kind of go into what you're what you're thinking on with that. Well, <clears throat> the game we're working—excuse <clears throat> me. Well, the game we're working on right now is is like you say. It's, it's the idea is is a lot grander than Steam will dig, and one of the big differences is um, the amount of time you will use to play through this game. It'll be a much longer game than Steam Will Dig. And that that means that I think that in itself means that there will be more community involvement because you will be you will have played this game for maybe three days and and you're stuck on something and there will be a lot of other people that are at different points in in completing or at different stages of completing the game. So that you can interact with while you're playing. With SteamWorld Dig, it was, um, I mean, I think we've established that it's a great game, but one of the drawbacks was that you wouldn't, you would play the game exactly like you did, Chase. You would sit down with it, and you'd be completely engrossed, and then you'd start playing in the morning, and then sometime in the afternoon or evening, you'd be done with the game, and then you'd tell your friends what a great game it was, and then you'd be done with it. Uh, I think with this, what we want to do here is is have a game that people can they can discuss various strategies while they're playing the game. I think it's a game that would lend itself excellently to co-op play, but I don't think uh, not. We're not going to have it in in the game uh, day one. But it's it's a game where you will have lots of room for for more stuff. 
meaning that we can extend that game quite a bit. I don't think SteamWorld Dig is as extendable, really. Um, you could put more... We could put more caves and so into the game, but SteamWorld Dig is so... It's, it's so finite. It, it has a defined start and a defined end. And if we were to cram more stuff in there, we would have to be sort of like uh, extra content, other stuff that you wanted to solve. Definitely. It's and, a it's a self-contained game. I mean, if you wanted to make more, uh, you could do kind of little add-on things or, or something kind of maybe like what, what a game like Bioshock does where it's here's here's a completely new story that's in a very small that's in a much smaller world, but it uses some some of the same assets or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And so I think with this with this new game, I think we we would be able to put in uh, more content that would make sense uh, also within the game, even after you've played it. Much lo- much like uh, Bioshock, where you'd have like side missions and so on. <laughs> Now, when you when you talk about that, uh, and and this might be where you really have to not answer, um, but when you talk about that, it makes me think a lot more about a game like Spelunky, uh, or even a game like Dark Souls, where these are games that people stream and and other people are watching, and that kind of leads to a community, and there's lots of hidden things in there, and how objects interact. Uh, I know, especially with Spelunky. That it's a game with the uh, the daily challenges that they do, of mm. of people learning you know what what different uh, items can be used in conjunction uh, to make you know a speed run better or or how to how to get to uh, the final boss using that eggplant item, uh, mm. and and that seems like a great way of of fostering uh, a community. And I can see a game kind of like SteamWorld Dig using that, uh, using those kind of more like a, a that kind of roguelike idea uh, to to do something kind of similar. Uh, so I guess my question is, what are your what are your thoughts on on streaming? <laughs> I think again, Chase, you 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 just made an excellent job of answering the answering the question. So if if you're listening to this, just rewind a little bit, and you'll hear the answer. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I, I totally agree. I think that's a perfect way of, of, of fostering a community where you have, um, where you can discuss different ways of solving uh, um, one set problem. Uh, where, you, where you're allowed as a player to sort of do things your own way and succeed. It's, it doesn't necessarily have to be, this is the only way to do this thing. Um, I think that's a great way of making a community that is, that is actually communicating and not just informing each other, meaning that this is how you solve this and, or, or this is the way to do this, but rather where people talk about, well, I did it like this because blah, 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 and I got this before, which helped me to do this and, and so on. I think if you can if you can sort of deal with problems in, in different ways, it makes much more, makes lots of fodder for, for interesting uh, communication, I think. Sure. Uh, well, let me ask this question. Maybe this will be a whole lot easier. 
Um, what are what are you playing right now, or what are people in the office playing? What what's being talked about at uh, at your lunch times? Oh, okay. Look, actually, very <clears throat> very many different things, and and that that's one of the great games about uh, image and form. It's we're not there. There are some hardcore players, and there are some midcore players, and there are some casual players, and and. Uh, no one is perceived as more of a gamer than anyone else. Uh, right now, I, for the holidays here, I, for myself, we're actually today is today is our first day back in the oh, office. Wow. All of us uh, after the Christmas holidays because it's been um, it's been very it's been one of those Christmas New Year's uh, times where you just had to take a day off here and one there to to be off for like what feels like six months but it's, <laughs> so this is the first day we get back together and I'm really curious to see what everyone else has been playing myself I downloaded um, uh, the Stanley Parable yes. and, and Papers Please I really wanted to play those two mm-hmm. and I played the Stanley Parable and I think it's, it's hilarious I think it's so much fun but sadly I uh, I've, I, I have a hard time playing 3D games. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> sounds, it sounds just as sad as it is because I, I just get. <clears throat> lately, I've just been getting motion sickness from these games, and uh, I have a hard time playing them in long bursts, so or in long long sessions. So I have to play them in sort of short bursts. But it's very enjoyable, just the same. It's it's a crazy, crazy experience. And uh, Papers, Please, is, uh, is, is everyone has to play that. So um, there, for 2013, I think it was a great year, great year for gaming. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Kind of kind of going back just a little bit to uh, to uh, <laughs> the, the talk of, of what you guys are doing next. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know you're not really announcing platforms, um, but... Let me ask this in a in a slightly different way. Um, are you are you pleased with uh, the handhelds? That are, are you pleased with the 3ds? And is that something that uh, whether it's for this next game or whether it's for a game in the future, uh, is the is the 3ds a platform you can see yourself uh, see image and form going back to, uh, or or is the Vita something you guys can see that uh, you see potential in that you'd like to make games for? Well. <clears throat> I, that's a very the simple answer is that we we can definitely see ourselves being both on the 3ds and the Vita for for our coming games. Um, we're definitely going back to the 3ds. If we if we didn't try at least to go back to the 3ds, we'd be extremely rude because uh, the Nintendo community and Nintendo themselves have been. Have been so amazing to us. Um, it's and it, there's no good reason really not to go back to the 3ds because it, it's a great, great platform. Um, and it's not like not like you're with this small record label again. This music reference, but it's not like we're with a small label and then we get signed by a bigger label and then we have a hard time going back to the small label. Mm-hmm. We're, I mean, we're. Making games for 
for the Nintendo 3DS. There is nothing like that, and it's it's not a minor platform. It's it's a very very important and vital platform. So unless something terrible happens, then we're definitely going back to the 3DS. Okay. And I think the I think uh, playing on the go is. For me, at least, that's it's it's just natural. So hopefully, we can get something happening on the beta as well. Okay. Uh, well, final question here for you. Um, mm-hmm. Steam World Dig is now coming out on the 3DS and now Steam. Um, I think you've mentioned in an interview before um, the Wii U and how it's very similar to a 3DS, having the having the bottom screen be what you play on the gamepad. Um, is I, I know you're a small team, and and right now you're focusing on on this grander idea. But do you uh, do you think that there's ever a possibility of seeing SteamWorld Dig come to more platforms like a Wii U or or even like a, a Xbox or a, or a PS4 or, or even Vita? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's probably safe just to leave it at that. Well, it's I think. It, um... Like I said before, we're 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 making a we're we're coming out with an announcement fairly soon, and uh, it's um, Steamworld Day is coming to more platforms. Okay, awesome. Yeah, uh, it is. Well, Brian, uh, is there? I mean, Steamworld Dig right now is out on on Steam in the eShop, but is there anything else that you'd like to to plug? Maybe. Uh, Image Inform's Twitter account or, or other places where people can interact with uh, Image Inform. Oh, that's that, thank you. That's very clever. <clears throat> uh, well, you might want to follow us on Twitter. That's where we are. I think we are one of the one of those guys that are twenty four seven almost on Twitter. Uh, I tend to sleep maybe five hours per night, and then I'm not <laughs> tweeting or tweeting. But the rest of the time. I am so. Follow us at um, the at sign image form. It's uh, our handle on Twitter is image form mm-hmm. in one word. Okay. And and you uh, you control all of the Twitter, or is is it you <laughs> and some other people? <laughs> we're, oh yeah, weird way it's to phrase word. that. It's, uh, it's it's not like we've decided who does what. And uh, <laughs> when if I'm out traveling, one of the other guys will just pick up where I left off and, uh, and so on. So it's someone friendly will be at the other end. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean, why I ask is because I, I follow you guys and I think you guys do a really great job of, of interacting with people. Um, before, uh, before this show, we had our, our gamers on the go award show and, uh, we were getting people ready for it. And, and my friend, uh, Matt Jaguar, who was on that show, uh, he, told me, hey, before we start this thing, you really need to play SteamWorld Dig. And I, I know him through Twitter. And oh. uh, and you guys, so he was writing me on that and said, yeah, SteamWorld Dig's a game you got to play. And you guys responded to him and said, yeah, yeah, you absolutely should. And then I played it and I mentioned how much I enjoyed it too and, and how we were going to talk about it on our award show. And, and you guys were, were happy to, to respond and um, I just think you have a really good Twitter presence. Uh, so thank you very much. I will I will endorse your uh, your Twitter abilities. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's something that we we just from the beginning. And that's 
that's one of the things that we didn't know how to do, how to um, how to market Steamwell Dig, and, uh, and Twitter was we had seventy followers or something like that, and m- all of them were my friends, <laughs> and so uh, so we were really nowhere, and uh, the Twitter community has has helped us so much that uh, we we're never going to stop tweeting. It's and I it's if I can recommend other. Um, game developers that are small like us sure. try try to just get your ass onto Twitter uh, and and be friendly be be nice to people uh, and answer everyone if they have any questions because if you can build it there they will they will help you build it if if they perceive you as a nice guy and uh, it's it's very easy to be a nice guy on Twitter because everyone else is being so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've been looking at all of Twitter then. <laughs> there's there's some dark stuff on Twitter too, but I, I agree. I agree. There is a lot of niceness. <laughs> um, okay. Well, as far as gamers on the go, uh, you can uh, you can follow us. Uh, uh, that's at GOTG Podcast. Uh, and then you can also... Uh, Check out our Tumblr, gamersonthego. Uh, or gamersonthego.com. Yeah, uh, you could do gamersonthego.tumblr.com, but we also got the just the regular, so you don't have to uh, don't have to type in Tumblr anymore. Um, but Brian, Brian, it was uh, it was awesome to to have you on and have you talking about Steamroll Dig, and uh, I I really wish you guys good luck on on the next game and and look forward to the uh, to the near future announcement. Well, thank you very much. It's a uh... Exciting times, and uh, I'm, I'm, I've got to say thanks too uh, to you as well. Uh, gaming has to be played on the go, and uh, so this is the source, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the endorsement. Um, <laughs> I'll talk to you all soon.